0: your dragon is essentially the thing that most people are either afraid of or is the most dangerous.
1: Oh, I have, I have a dragon. Check. Uh, the dragon is the wait time between me and Alan Wake too. <laughs> How about that?
2: <laughs> oh my God.
1: Listen, Leo brings up, brings up fallout in every single podcast. <laughs> I can bring up Alan Wake.
2: Look, to be fair, I haven't been present for a number of these, so <laughs> I'd say it gets a pass. <laughs>
0: fallout is my go-to for a lot of these things well maybe if fallout didn't have so many story-based examples and, <laughs> and tropes in there that's you true that? just a reminder this is a spoiler heavy podcast different series that require a spoiler warning will be in the description everybody and welcome to yet another episode of gaming theater podcast today's episode is going to be about identifying your big bads number two also known as the dragon there's a reason why it's called the dragon and we'll get to that point uh later but before we get started let us introduce each other on all my guests that are going to help me get through this subject today once again my name is leo and i am the geek scorpio and to my left over here or right depending on which side you're at um and it's virtual so
2: <laughs> uh, I am Brandon, also known as Tomato Man, and uh
3: yeah. I'm Rob, I am a student of game design.
1: I'm Liz, also known as Zombie Hand, and I just kinda do a lot of a lot of a lot of a little or maybe a little of a lot.
2: I mean, maybe I should have specified that I am a a student of the film variety.
3: <laughs> Getting hurt. I do art. <laughs> I, I like to put in my credentials so they know why they should care about what I have to say. <laughs> uh that's
1: fair me saying I do a little of a lot is not very tell like doesn't sell me very well huh
2: <laughs> I mean I guess Liz you're also a student of game design yeah
1: yeah I did do a game
0: a game art degree <laughs> I got one of dims, and I'm the host so I don't have to have very many credentials <laughs> but I have credentials I'm just don't del- 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 do anyway <laughs> all this being said let's before we get started let's take a quick trip to the magical merch booth We are at the Magical Merch Booth, and today's Magical Merch Booth is going to be up with a couple of uh, tabletop games over here. Just to let you guys know, anyone who hasn't ca- caught up with it, one of the side projects that we're doing here at Gaming Theater Presents is ACPD, a Gaming Theater Production art- Tabletop RPG, or as you could call it, a GTPTRPG. I think I'm missing a letter.
1: No, I think you had
3: it. It's ACPD, the GTP RPG. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but if you're interested in taking a look at the at an interesting storyline that also has its own little set of dragons, and I believe in one story might be a literal dragon into it. Take a look at the ACPD po- uh, podcast. It's nice little storytelling that I can get you going. And we're all on there. All right, that being said, let's get back to the show. So today's episode is going to be about the big bo- uh, bads number two. So just for a couple of trope namers out there, just so you know, guys out there know what we're talking about. A big bad is typically your final boss, the the big bad, as it were, the large thing that's uh, that's affecting our heroes at the end of the story.
3: Well, and I, I think it's important to note that it's not necessarily a final boss; it's the person who is the
0: reason there's a problem. True. All the problems that the heroes have to deal with, that's the guy. That's the reason why they're here for this. Now, with that, they usually will, a lot of these guys will have a lieutenant or a captain of the guard or some person which is a large um, obstacle for uh, for our heroes to deal with. Most of the time, it's a physical-based obstacle, but not always. And that is what's also known as the dragon. Again, there's a story reason for that, but a person who studied a lot of mythology and writing specifically is Joseph Campbell, who broke down everything in, the, in a book called The Man with a Thousand Faces. It was a story about the hero's journey, which is the sort of the explanation of how, historically speaking, our stories and, and retellings of stories about heroes tend to have a, the similar prospects in different types, of, regardless of what type of mythology that's out there. At some point, we're going to break down what the events are and what the hero's journey is. But that's a whole nother podcast for that one. And if you've had to take college literature, you kind of understand the hero's journey. It's a thing that you study. Or if you happen to have watched the original Star Wars, that also is a hero's journey. That being said, though, a section in there is called, uh, I think it's called Meeting the Dragon or Into the Dragon's Den. And what it is, the dragon, as Joseph Campbell puts it, is essentially the large challenge that we have that the heroes have to deal with for it. For our purposes, intent, though, for this trope, the dragon is the guy who is the lieutenant, the second in command of the big bad. If the big bad is the reason why you are able to, that, that this problem exists for our heroes, the dragon is the thing that's, that's keeping that guy in power and is the biggest obstacle you have to deal with. And so that's sort of how this uh, this thing breaks down. Now, not every story requires a dragon, even in a hero's journey. Okay, just a lot of memorable ones have that. If we want to go kind of literal on this, probably the biggest uh, example out there is The Hobbit. So, in The Hobbit, the dwarves that are uh, that are helping out Bilbo Baggins to get to the end to look for the treasure from the uh, that's under the dragon Smog. I believe is his name. Yeah, Smog. Smog. So Smog is the dragon that that they deal with. Well, Smog eventually leaves the cave and gets killed off by a uh by a group of soldiers at a human and fortress which is being which is just out on the outskirts of uh of his lands. And the dragon gets defeated for it. However, that's not the end of the story. The dragon is the biggest problem for everyone on that. The reason why the the dwarves are even going there in the first place is because the dragon's Got all this gold that it's been hoarding for for I think the dwarves entire you know family fortune and family line and kick them out of their home. Granted, you know the dwarves made some other problems by releasing whatever's at the bottom of that cave, but that's a whole different story altogether. But the story doesn't end after the dragon le- uh, gets eliminated. Now all the factions that Bilbo and his uh, have been bumping into. Are kind of wanting the gold and they have to deal with it it's a battle of five armies that all want to piece of this thing but they can't do that because everyone's held back because there's a literal dragon in the way i think that's
3: actually probably the defining trait of a dragon what separates them from the big bad is that defeating the dragon doesn't remove the problem that is key you know it you, you defeat the dragon, but the big boss is still there. Or in the case of the Lord of the Rings, the problem is still there. The problem being that there's a lot of gold
0: and everybody wants it. Mm-hmm. And they all have kind of valid reasons for what they want. But at the end of the day, except Bilbo just sort of checks out at the end of the book, which I always thought he's like, I'm out. I don't need none of this.
2: It, it's so funny to me, too, because like. The Hobbit is the only Lord of the Rings franchise item I have actually read whereas I have not watched any of those movies. <laughs> and the exact opposite is true for Lord of the Rings. I have watched those movies, have not read the books. But, I mean, I've been told that I read the better of the four anyway, so. Mm-hmm.
0: That's always debatable. It's yeah, the exactly. shorter of them, though. Um, well, yeah. And I'll be honest, the when I was trying to read through the Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit's easier to read than The Lord oh, of yeah. the Rings.
2: Oh, yeah. I was pretty young, I guess, so.
0: Now, that being said, another version of the dragon, and probably a, just almost as famous of it, is Darth Vader. Mm, yep. The Emperor Palpatine for Star Wars is the guy who's manipulating everyone and commanding the entirety of the Empire. Darth Vader is his lieutenant, and if anyone has ever seen Rogue One, Darth Vader's going to take you down. Liz, <laughs> you remember the scene. In Rogue One, there's a it's the tunnel when they're trying to get the plans to... Um, I think Leia, right? Correct.
1: It's on the Death Star. It's just a long corridor. Oh, it's just
0: a long corridor. Yeah, but...
1: Or not on the Death Star,
2: but... on the Star Destroyer. It's on a starship. Because they've taken the main... That little carrier up, and Vader is personally boarding to take over the thing. And Mm the end result is... um, Vader just uses the Force to billow his cape as he walks by, and then still wrecking
0: house. (laughs) Yes. Here's the thing. He's wrecking house. He's a powerful Sith Lord. He barely uses his force powers. He's going in there and he's taking people down left and right. And my favorite part of this scene, which is these for most part are just a bunch of extras, but you can see the look on their faces. I'm not going to make it today. I have made a, a terrible decision coming into work today.
2: To, to put it very bluntly, you mm-hmm. get the greatest variety of oh shit faces in that scene and it almost didn't even make the cut. And mm-hmm. so it it's the best part of that movie.
0: Oh yeah. Now, that being said though, Vader is in the original Star Wars trilogy, so episode 4, 5 and and 6. You don't even see the emperor on camera until Empire shows up. And um you don't even hear about the emperor. You like just that there is an emperor. That's about it. Vader's the one that everyone's watching going down. If Vader ever wanted to, his presence alone is enough to just shut down a rebel forces. Most of them are, yeah, the stormtroopers are are out there and they are a, a, an army. Vader is the one you don't mess with because he will take you down. And to Vader's point, he is a lieutenant. He is a Sith Lord. He could run himself as a more political power on it. He doesn't. And that's what's scary about If the Emperor just lets Vader out off the chain, Vader legitimately is let loose and can do whatever he wants. If Vader says, I have a personal stake in this, that is about all he needs. Yeah, and I think
3: um, the, the dragon in a lot of stories tends to overshadow the big bad that they are supporting. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you think of Star Wars, you will think of Darth Vader before you think of Palpatine. And mm-hmm. uh, that's, you know, Darth Vader is just more iconic. Um, and a lot of it is because Vader is the one doing the actions, you know, Palpatine, like in universe, Palpatine's role is more political. It's more of a management thing. It's, you know, his job mm-hmm. is essentially to manage all of these like different systems and, and tell the armies where to go and stuff. He doesn't really go into the field. And so we don't see him doing anything particularly impressive like you know it's not necessarily that he's a terrible fighter i mean he's not a great fighter i'll be honest with you he's got the he's got a couple of cool moves uh but really that's that's like not if that's not his job to go out and fight that's what vader does fighting is the cool thing <laughs> fighting is what we want to see the dragon is the one that does that and so the dragon tends to be more popular
0: mm-hmm. if you want a more modern animated version of this In a very similar vein, where that's the lieutenant, that's the one who's doing all the action. Avatar, the last airbender? Tell me Azula doesn't scare people.
2: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Without question. And more so because of, I want to say, the mental disorders that she represents. Mm -hmm. Um, But behind that, you've got the power. And that's where the fear comes from, is the fact that this very unhinged individual is wielding some very big power and therefore lies the the fear factor for it, making her Mm. the literal dragon because she's also shooting fire. And, oddly enough, lightning, but we don't talk about that. Dude, whatever.
3: Lightning was awesome in airbag
2: Lightning was awesome.
0: That's top-tier stuff. Yeah,
2: but it gets cooler when they redirect it, so...
3: Azula's is actually kind of an oddball in this one. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of the time in a story, part of the reason you're going to want a dragon is because your big bad isn't a fighter and they're not like a particularly imposing threat physically. Uh, Ozai, her father, the, you know, leader of the fire nation is 100% a threat. Oh, yeah. Honestly, way worse than Azula, who is a very scary and dangerous person. And somehow her father's worse Yeah, they both scary
2: (laughs) Oh, they scary I think the thing that makes Azula more scary, though Is the fact that she doesn't have the same level of control And we get to see that she doesn't have that control She's
1: kind of unhinged
2: Yeah, Mm -hmm. oh, absolutely But whereas Ozai does have the control He's just also an ass So
1: I think having that measure of control And knowing that there's every chance he could be holding back
2: That's scary in a very different way it's
1: it's definitely scary in a very different way.
2: <laughs> I mean, I guess technically we get to see that in Zuko every day because Zuko was permanently scarred by his father for a very tiny issue. And that's kind of his entire character arc for for Zuko is, you know, wanting back into his father's favor, even though he'll never get it because that's mm. kind of the whole point. But it's like he has the control, but he's also a very dangerous individual. And you see that in that he does not tolerate any mishap.
0: But Rob's right. A lot of times that you do this because it's a, um, and this happens a lot in storytelling. Your dragons, you're sort of representing the physical combatant, the thing that they have to stop, that, that the heroes have to stop. Your big bad, though isn't exactly the physical fighter but is on the mental game or vice versa physical with a, a spiritual sort of situation or physical and a moral situation in that case but usually the the dragon is always someone that you can fight a weird example for that one is in fallout 2 when you get to the end of fallout 2 you go through this whole regular world and you're dealing with what's called the Enclave, which. Is um the main at- which is not even the main antagonist. They don't even show up until halfway through the game. That the enclave. Well, I mean, is they, are, but, well, I mean yeah, they are, but I mean, they are. You don't you don't meet him for a while. You don't They're meet him. The, sub, the subdermal issue. Yeah. So here's the thing: the big bad that you have to deal with is the president of the enclave, or I think he's self proclaimed the president of the United States.
3: Yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit complicated. Essentially, the enclave is the remnants of the shadow government for the United States. You know, they weren't the government per se. They were the ones pulling the strings. And there were a lot of government officials that were also members of the Enclave.
2: So basically the Illuminati.
3: Yes, basically the Illuminati. So when the actual U S government goes belly up, the Enclave comes along claiming they are the U S government.
0: But they, it's still fallout, still a post apocalypse or there, there's things out there that they don't deal with, but there's a character in there, the president. And if you're a speedrunner, which at some point we Liz are working on an episode about speedrunning, so it's it's on their list. But the speedrun way to beat Fallout Two, the president doesn't do anything to fight you. You can there's a way to just poison him with healing if you ha- if you know what you're doing, and so he is not that much of a fighter. So you can just take him down. After you leave, though, you have to deal with the head of the Secret Service, who is Frank, the Secret Service agent. Why this is important is. Fallout One, the first game of that, was famous for being able to beat the game without combat. It's a combat-based RPG, and there's a way to beat it without combat at all. And in fact, if you are clever enough, it's encouraged that you talk your way through the final boss just to get out. No, with the once you get out from the Fallout 2's boss, uh, Frank does not like that the fact that you have killed the president. You know, his primary job is the Secret Service, and he will go to town on you.
3: Like Fallout as a series is very well known for letting you do non-violent things, and it's really sort of part of the theme of the game, really. You live in a violent world, but still, how do you deal with your problems? Um, Maintaining
2: humanity in a inhumane situation kind of thing.
3: Fallout 2 uh, is one of the only ones where that wasn't an option for the main boss. Frank Horrigan will fight you no matter what. You cannot talk him down. I think you can't even really sneak around him, I don't think. It's been a long time since I played, but but like he has to die
0: for the exit to open,
3: which is, you know, mm-hmm. I mean and there are things that you can do to make the fight easier, but ultimately you do have to fight him.
0: Yeah. There is a way, is this is what speedrunners will do in this game, is to avoid uh find a way to dodge him or convince him to or get around him so that way you can still exit to get past Frank. But you cannot avoid this fight. That's the that's the trick with that. And Frank is the hardest thing to fight in the entire game. There's no secret boss or secret thing that you can fight that's harder than Frank. Frank is probably the guy.
3: Actually, I kind of want to talk a little bit more about Fallout, though, just because that series is actually super famous uh, for their dragons and kind of the way that they're presented. Yeah. The dragon's always the final boss. Well, almost always. Fallout 1, technically not, because you could choose to face the big bad or the dragon in any way you wanted. Yeah. Um, I think canonically, though, the the Vault Dweller from the first game did face the master, the big bad, before he went on to face the lieutenant. So he did take the dragon out after taking out Mm. the big bad, which is a little bit unusual from a story perspective. They did it again in two. You have to. You take out the president before you take on Frank Horrigan. Um, in three, you take out President Eden before you face Colonel Autumn. In New Vegas, Caesar dies before you even meet Legate Lanius, potentially by your own hand. Uh you can kill Caesar. But it is, it's optional. You don't even have to kill Caesar. He'll, you know, he'll die of a brain tumor, spoiler alert, if you don't do anything. And then afterwards you can fight Leg Lanius, And that's like and that's your final battle. That's and that's super common with the Fallout series, is that the dragon is the one that you want to fight. They want to make sure that this is where like, you know, your big moment comes in, and then we roll the credits.
0: Yeah, that's one of the unique things with that. The dragon isn't the boss, but you can deal with the boss before you even bother to touch the dragon. Mm-hmm. The dragon is rarely like a secret boss. That's a whole different genre on it. So like like Final Fantasy VII, the 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 original had the weapons. They were the hardest thing to deal with in, in the game, but they weren't part of the story. You could avoid them entirely. Technically not even
2: part of the original game. They were added for the American release and then they re-released it in Japan as the international
0: edition. Now, a unique way to do this is when your dragon is a MacGuffin. Your plot in your storyline that's moving everything forward is the, the second to last thing that our heroes have to deal with. An interesting example with that one is the Metal Gear Solid series. You always have to deal with Metal Gear, but then there's a boss fight that you have to deal with afterwards on that. Like in um, the first Metal Gear Solid, you fight a Metal Gear almost toe-to-toe with a Nikita Missile, and you have to rig it so that way you actually have the ability to fight that thing. The Metal Gear is the big, serious problem of the entirety of the game. That's why the game is called Metal Gear. A giant mech able to fire an ICBM. Not a cool thing to have everyone running around.
2: On all terrains, so, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're you're very right, though. Um, Although it's also a non-traditional one when you think about it, because... It's still the main villain that is doing the actions. The Metal Gear, or in this case, the Dragon, is just his tool.
0: Exactly. But it's—I mean, it's yeah—it's exactly that. So, like, that's the thing. That's it as a MacGuffin sort of scenario. Another uh, famous video game-based example for that one is Mass Effect. Your big ending thing is going to is dealing with. Um, why can't I think of their name? Saren. Reapers. No, Reapers is the big thing you have to deal with. Yeah, Saren is the reason why you're going after him to deal with the Reapers.
2: I mean, in the first game, it's very, very subtle, the Reaper stuff. Yeah, But that's kind of was the point because they were going to be building up th- across multiple games.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, yeah, it depends on if you're talking about the whole trilogy or if you're talking about the first game, Mass Effect, because then, yeah, it would be Saren. But if you're talking about the whole trilogy or just the third one then it's the reapers
0: in this case i'm talking about the first game entirely oh the reapers become a huge problem but Saren is the reason why you're doing everything
1: oh man the second game though when you fight the giant like the reaper that's being fed human the remains human reaper. yeah oh god that one is so messed up i love that game
2: <laughs> just a giant terminator a giant t800 yeah
1: oh god that that final boss is so messy like in a good way like in a fun way Mm -hmm. anyway i'm sorry no no that's
0: actually (laughs) fitting for that so like that's the thing that's that's your dragon as a MacGuffin. it's the reason why you're running around is because of this this thing the dragon that you're dealing with the dragon's not the real problem not Not the big problem at the end. Those are two big video game examples where that is the thing that people have to deal with. The main reason why you're dealing with Saren is because he's gone rogue. Oh no, didn't realize about the Reaper thing. Whoopsie doodles My bad.
2: Let's ignore that he's got a bunch of alien Reaper tech grafted onto his chest and
0: arm. Now, there's some kind of debate on whether or not your dragon has to be the most powerful thing out there. You don't Necessarily need it. If you want a good example of a dragon archetype that is also not the most powerful thing on there, uh, Ghostbusters have set. The most powerful thing is Gozer, the demigod from another realm. However,
2: Gozer the Gozarian.
0: Gozer the Gozarian. However, I mean, Kaiju level marshmallow is still coming at us, and it's on fire. Still a problem. Still a Damn problem. But no, Gozer's more powerful than than the Marshmallow Man, but nothing's more iconic than the Marshmallow Man. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, and Gozer wasn't the immediate threat mm-hmm. either. So I, I guess in this case, uh, the, the one behind the dragon doesn't even have to be overtly dangerous. They just have to be dangerous. Exactly.
1: Like a cult leader. Exactly.
2: <laughs> oh, yes. And that actually kind of leads in... I mean, my big example I had was technically a literal dragon but also not mm-hmm. um, as odd as that may sound and that's um, looking at the Yakuza series or Like a Dragon as oddly enough it fits in in terms of titling Um, specifically though Yakuza Zero is an, is a good one because it takes place in the late 80s and the main boss that you end up fighting the last boss is the Dragon of Dojima but he is not in charge he is he has the title and has a big ass dragon tattoo on his back specifically because he is the most dangerous member of the family and is, in fact, a lieutenant. He is in charge of basically all the stuff, and you really have no no quarrels with him until the very end, but he is not in charge. The one in charge you th- survives the game just to get offed in the opening of the next game, which was really funny because you don't do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, while he's the final boss of the game, he... he very appropriately represents the concept of the dragon and you as the player upon defeating him inherit the title of dragon because you are now the most overtly dangerous individual so it it's fitting Mm -hmm.
0: if you want another literal dragon which turns out to be not nearly as powerful on it in ancient greek the original story for the golden fleece that story for the golden fleece one of the biggest challenges that Jason uh, from the Argonauts has to deal with is to get the golden fleece it is on a tree being guarded by a dragon. And in order to get past that dragon he needs help from the witch Medea to keep the drag to keep this dragon who has never fell asleep in its life puts it to sleep. And let's and it buys Jason enough time to get in there and grab the fleece and bail. And is that the end of the story? No, the story of the Argonauts is actually a really long story. But the that's like part one of like a five-part series. But there's a dragon in the, in the first part is when he has to deal with a dragon. And it is written as being the most dangerous thing that he has to deal with. It Knocked, nah, conked out, called it the day, walked away.
2: That's a damn good lullaby.
3: Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, that's that's pretty typical for Greek stories. They often favored uh, heroes who won through cleverness rather than, you know, raw Mm -hmm. strength or anything like that. Not that they didn't have plenty of heroes that won through raw strength, but the more popular ones were the heroes that could trick their enemies or whatever.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hercules isn't going around tricking his enemies very often. He punched things. He punched things good. So, like, these are sort of weird examples of some of your dragons for you. Your dragon is essentially the thing that most people are either afraid of or is the most dangerous.
1: Oh, I have, I have a dragon. Cat. Uh, the dragon is the wait time between me and Alan Wake Two. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> oh my god. Listen, Leo brings up, brings up Fallout in every single podcast. I can bring up Alan Wade.
2: Look, to be fair, I haven't been present for a number of these, so... <laughs> I'd say it gets a pass.
0: <laughs> Fallout is my go-to for a lot of these things. Well, maybe if Fallout didn't have so many story-based examples and, and tropes in there. <laughs> That's true. Of-
1: anyway, that was my dragon. Um, it's not a very good one, but <laughs> it's currently Liz, you my... Are a
0: trope. But there Aww. is a dragon in Alan Wake, though um it's nightingale the the, <laughs> the police officer right
1: is it a nightingale comes before the tv tornado
0: mm, there is a tv tornado <laughs> a tornado the the TV tornado's not really
3: a dragon though right because it's not that's not like an entity that's just a thing that no, happens but
1: that's the final boss i guess barbara jagger would be like the darkness like a barbara jagger housing the is the big bad yeah, but the darkness doesn't go away at the end of Alan Wake.
3: The big bads don't always go away at the end. Well, technically, Alan Wake's
2: psyche is the, is the big bad, because everything's derived from his writings.
1: No, technically, if you want to get that deep about it, Thomas Zane uh, wrote Alan into existence. Look, because look we're just going to say Alan- remedy. No, Okay, no hey. <laughs> Alan was written into existence by Thomas Zane... Uh, because Thomas Zane screwed up trying to write the darkness out of the world because he wrote it into the world and he was like and then the darkness was gone the end and that's not how it works you can't just do that and he messed it up even worse and so he realized that the only thing he could do was write himself out of existence and the only things that would be left behind are things that Directly pertained to Alan Wake,
2: who he he wrote into existence. So he tried to cheat the system, and it backfired real fucking hard.
1: Yes, to the (laughs) point where... I I think he was just desperate, because he had actually fallen in love with Barbara Jagger. Yeah. And so he was like, I don't want this thing wearing her face anymore, so... I'm just going to try and get rid of it like this. And then he realized you couldn't do that. So anyway. <laughs> I mean, you're right though.
0: Barbara Jagger is essentially the one who's pulling the strings. It's the, is the, the big bad on this thing. And
1: yeah, she is the one who was manipulating. Mm-hmm. Well, and again, it would actually be the darkness. It just happens at the moment to be wearing Barbara Jagger's face. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. It gets a new face at the end of the first game.
0: Mm-hmm. But yeah who's your dragon the darkness is my dragon
1: (laughs) well so i guess it would be it would be nightingale although he doesn't really show up until about the halfway mark through the game Mm -hmm. um but also the final boss of the game itself is the tv tornado but barbara (laughs) but the darkness slash barbara jagger is like the the
0: one causing all the all the problems. You can actually have the dragon as someone that you bumped into at the beginning of the series and even dealt with, or even take them down. A big example for that one is Jackie Chan Adventures, that old cartoon. Mm-hmm. For Especially for all of season one, the dragon is Toru, yeah. the big personal bodyguard of Velmont. Then you get to the end of the first season, it turns out uh, he bails on Velmont and switches sides. They have to get a whole new lieutenant because he does that. They need a new dragon because their old dragon quit. Mm-hmm. I can only
2: think of uncle when I think of that show. Cause then I just go, <laughs> <"Jucky!"> <laughs>
0: um, but yeah, so you can do that. Another weird example is sort of how you play it is with any iteration with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You haven't seen the new movie yet. I, I want, I want to, but if you're going with the, like the 87 turtles, depending on who's in charge, Shredder is the lieutenant, is the dragon for, um, for Krang, and in turn, Bebop and Rocksteady are the dragon for Shredder.
3: What about Tokar and Razar?
0: Yeah,
1: is that Dragonception?
3: <laughs> I'm not totally certain. I'd consider Bebop and Rocksteady to be dragons.
0: No, they're more. Confident.
3: They're a little. They screw up a little bit too much to really like. You know, they're a threat, sure, but
0: they're not like a real threat. No, not in the 87 Turtles. They're a joke. But um, Shredder is not a joke. Yeah, Shredder's a joke in the 87 Turtles, but hilarious to me. Everything's a joke in the 87 Turtles.
1: I think he's also a joke in that Christmas special from, like, 94. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Do we ever talk about Christmas specials of anything? Because they're usually not good.
1: (laughs) <laughs> every futurama christmas special is perfect well yes
2: but that's because there's a robot santa trying to kill everybody and that's just priceless
1: that's true and hanukkah bot is no, no. and kwanza bot yes. yeah
3: it's the hanukkah zombie yeah that's right <laughs> I, forgot about that. I don't really understand what zombies mm-hmm. have to do with hanukkah but whatever oh
1: Oh but, well, I mean, I guess I don't fully know the like. I, it, I I'm not the, Jewish, but I don't I don't think that the, actually. The, has anything it's to do the with zombie, that. and it's usually Easter though, because it's the it's the birthday of, of or it's the day when Jesus rose from the dead. Right, so, but Jews the but specifically
3: don't believe Jesus to be the Messiah, and yeah. they don't believe that he rose from the dead. So,
1: yeah, I don't know. <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe it's some some sort of. It's a future a on the
0: thing. I gotta look at the deep lore. It's the Hanukkah that's goblin. going, the
2: Hanukkah but... Goblin. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to say golem, that didn't work. So with this, these are sort of the ways that you can play around with the uh, with the dragon, and for uh, for your storyline, they can be the MacGuffin. The dragon can be just a challenge. The dragon doesn't even have to be at the end of the story to be to be there um and you can be the dragon or apparently a dragon can be a tornado full of tvs that's just the thing it, it does that now uh, i have two real world examples for dragon famously and historically teddy roosevelt was given the position of vice president because they did not want teddy roosevelt to be president of the united states neither political party wanted pre- wanted teddy roosevelt to be the president but he was too popular and too much of a and teddy roosevelt is a is a Badass, crazy person, which I love. So he becomes the dragon. He is he's got too much of both political sides that he's a danger to both of them. So they gave him the role of being the vice president. So that way he would be uh, basically appeased that you're almost the president. Chill out, Teddy Roosevelt. It's pretty close. (laughs) You're pretty close. And then the president gets assassinated. I was going to say, it only takes one assassination and then you got the job, dude. Do you know what the assassin says when he uh, has his la- dying words? No, please tell me. I have made Teddy Roosevelt the president of the United States. That is the last thing he says and gets arrested. Bitchin'. That's bitching right there. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so he does that. Another one kind of debatably for id Software. Um, Id Software, for those who don't know, developed a revolutionary game, Doom. Yeah, ninety like a good portion of all of, of uh, any modern game with a 3D, you know, first-person first shooter. shooter it, that's it where you're something to, to
2: Doom.
1: I mean, can't you play it on a pregnancy test?
2: Yeah, <laughs> you can play it in Minecraft.
1: You can play it on a calculator. Like yeah. it's literally and not a very
0: little... good calculator.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh man, but yeah, no. Doom is one of those really big legendary uh, games that revolutionized the whole system. Now, the thing is that Doom gets pushed and and gets promoted and things by uh, John Romero, who runs, who leads the running. But if you're wanting to know the who got who figured out all the nuts and bolts and made the whole thing work, John, his partner John Carmack, and Carmack, as is, is known for designing crazy uh, different games for it. He is definitely the dragon of the two. Mm -hmm. The whole, like, he leaves the whole thing falls apart, but he's, but John Carmack is not a good people person, which is why he needs (laughs) Romero to do the the work.
2: Yeah, you've got Carmack as the muscle and Romero as the mouthpiece. And not that Romero didn't have chops and skills. I mean, he definitely did. There was definitely a magic between the two of them. But um, that disappeared when they broke up yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it did because then we got Die katana
1: (laughs) i read well i listened to a whole book about um those two dudes Mm -hmm. and yeah when they when they broke up and and went to create their own separate studios like john romero was like super party all the
2: time
1: Mm -hmm. like chicks and booze and staying up late and who cares about deadlines which is why daikatana sucks so much
2: and and they spent an ungodly amount of money constantly remodeling their offices into insanity oh Mm -hmm. yeah and
1: buying like fancy new cars and stuff and then john carmack ran like a pin drop silent like Uh, office where people were not encouraged to talk or do any like people were afraid to actually make noise and like i think that they struck a perfect balance when working together that just they could never recreate since (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. yeah on the plus side though um that split did lead to us getting the deus ex franchise so that's true Because without um, that split, we wouldn't have gotten Ion Interactive, I think. Or Ion Storm, excuse me. Which then was where Warren Spector comes in and is like, hey, I want to do something cool. And Romero's like, yeah, do it. And then they make one good thing. Because (laughs) Romero spent all the other money.
0: (laughs) If you want an interesting version of the dragon, and it really sort of depends on who your writer is, um, Harley Quinn to the Joker Mm, there are yep. cases where the Harley Quinn can outsmart, outthink, and out and outtake on the Batman just hands down. But it really sort of depends on who's writing, because a lot of times it's uh, like Harley comes up with a better plan than the Joker does.
3: Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting play because like one of the probably the defining trait of a dragon is that they are loyal to whoever they're serving, and that might change before the end of the story. You know, the dragon might decide to switch sides or whatever. But from the get go. The dragon, despite having the physical prowess to beat up their boss, doesn't. Because you know, for whatever reason, they respect him or they owe him or whatever. They they are not the boss. They let the, the actual boss be in charge. And sometimes, you know, you'll get a little bit of that, like, oh, I'm not totally certain. I trust my dragon. There's some issues there. Harley Quinn loves the Joker. And the Joker does not love her back.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he really manipulates her.
3: And so, like, she's she's this wholehearted, super loyal dragon that the big bad kind of, like, not only doesn't care for, but in a certain way doesn't even want. hmm uh, And I always just thought that was a really interesting dynamic for your dragon.
0: Speaking so you of, one of the more interesting ones that I liked was Shigo with Dra- uh, with Draken from um, Kim Possible series. Oh, yeah. Because uh, Shigo can do that she just b- doesn't want to and she knows it she's happy with being the one who fights kim possible that she's like this is my job this is what i do fully capable of being a super villain in
3: her own right but that's way
0: too much work mm-hmm. and draken Dragon messes up way more often than he should i did love it's in the kim possible the, i think the first movie
3: uh stitch in time i believe it was
0: Yeah. Wait, no, not Stitch in Time. It was the other one where uh, it was like Prom Day. Not the final oh. thing, but the, the second movie. i trying to remember his name. Anywho, so what happens is Draken starts doing research on like teen magazines and a bunch of other random fashion and stuff. And he's like doing all this weird stuff. And she goes like, all right, what's your plan? You're going to stop him with a robot? No What's your plan? You're gonna do this? No. And at some point, she gets so mad she's about to punch out Dragon and tells her, "Tell me what is going on. What is your plan? Kim Possible will solve this problem." And she and Dragon just tells her, "You are not smarter than Kim Possible. And if you can't figure it out, that means she can't figure this out." And has a brilliant and solid plan for the whole thing. So the drama is the movie. So the drama. That's the one. Loved it would watch it again. Now, if you want a weird case of an ancient dragon and in the gaming space that we are with that we talk about a lot in gaming theater, the queen in chess. There is no piece in chess more powerful than the queen. The game does not end unless the king is put into a position that they can't move.
3: You're not winning by capturing the most powerful key piece. You're actually winning by capturing arguably the weakest piece. Mhm. I mean, the only reason that the king is is better than a pawn is that the king can move
0: in any direction but the game ends with you can capture the, the king the queen definitely going to be in your way and anybody who like what is it if you can get your pawn to the other side anybody who d- puts their pawn on the other side will almost nine times out of ten take a queen
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I didn't think anyone picked any piece other than a queen for doing that. Like the only the only other thing that you might want to pick is a knight, simply because it has a slightly different move set that the queen can't replicate.
0: Mm-hmm. But
3: enough. like you know, strategically speaking, unless there's a very specific reason you want that, you need that that knight. No, you want a queen.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Pure versatility.
0: Oh yeah, but yeah, the queen is like a, uh, when I was doing research, I'm considering going. Wait a minute, the queen in chess is a dragon is literally a thing that can move all over the board wherever it wants to takes people out left and right the game doesn't end until the king is in trouble so that's about it that we have for that i can think of does anybody have any other last dragons that they want to talk about uh, real quick so
3: back to fallout because you know i love the fallout series and leo's certainly not going to stop me See, Liz,
0: not just me.
1: I never said it was just you.
3: <laughs> Fallout 4 has kind of an interesting, like like I said earlier, you know, there's a formula to Fallout where you, you actually fight the big bad before you fight the dragon. Fallout 4 kind of didn't do that. The factions don't really have dragons. I mean, they kind of do, but not really. And that's because, who's the dragon? It's you, the player. You're the dragon. If you sign up with the Institute, uh, and there are reasons you might want to do that, even if you're a good person, you know, the Institute isn't like evil per se. They kind of are, but they kind of aren't. There's a lot of debate. But story-wise, you wind up becoming the dragon to the leader of the Institute. That's the plot that fa- happens if you side with the Institute. Other, f- You know, if you join up with the Miniman, you're the leader, you're not the dragon. You're, you're the actual person in charge. You know, you sign up with... Uh, the Brotherhood, you are one knight of many. so you're not really the dragon. there's there's plenty of people who are equal to you in the hierarchy. same if you're siding with the railroad, you know you're you're arguably the strongest warrior in the railroad, but you're not the only one and you know as far as like the hierarchy goes, you're actually not even like second in charge or anything like that. but if you side with the institute you specifically are made the dragon. And then you go out into the field and you do all the dirty work. Or change of pace? It's me. I'm the problem. So, this is going to
2: sound a little strange, but in terms of a gameplay standpoint for Fallout 4, I would say the settlement system is the dragon. Because when you think of how, like, I don't know if intrusive is the right word, but it's close they are with it like because they're so about oh this settlement needs your help this settlement needs your help left right up down in your pocket it's like dude chill let me play
3: the game please that's kind of a problem i i don't disagree um and in fact what i tend to do the pro tip by the way if you're playing fallout 4 and you don't want to deal with that uh when preston tells you about another settlement that needs help here's what you do You go and you solve the problem at the settlement, and then you just don't turn in the quest. You have it completed, but you don't turn it in, and Preston will never ask you to save another settlement again.
2: (laughs) Boy, talk about a mute button.
3: This does mean, by the way, that you can't have Preston as your companion, but to me, that's a bonus. Ouch.
1: I don't know anything about Preston, but... That's a that's a sick
3: burn. That's, I, I don't you know don't know have to know anything about Preston. He still wants you to help out this settlement that is in need, um, and he'll mark it on your map.
1: Hey, no one touches my map but me.
3: Well, but what what about Nolan North?
1: Uh, yeah, he can mark the map too.
2: <laughs> yeah. Also,
1: so can Harry and James in Silent Hill. I'll allow it. What about Heather? Uh, Heather more so than the other two, to be honest. She makes me laugh. It's bread.
2: (laughs) Dang it. I knew you were going to go there.
1: (laughs) It's bread. Ah, It's
0: bread. You know, so I'm going to bring it up because I think the game is amazing. Uh, If I'm confident to go out with one last uh, good dragon, I'm going to put in uh, Luca Blight from uh, Suikoden Two. Man is a monster. And I'm not saying that as uh, hyperbole. He is a legit monster. It is better to have him go fight in every war they have than the Empire has, rather than to keep him at home, in the event he go crazy. Basically, hope that he dies in combat. Favorite, and he never dies in combat. It's a real problem they have. Damn it, he's a good fighter. But also, damn it, he came home. So, here's the thing. When you finally beat Luca Blight, their army starts considering uh, surrendering. Because till he went down, there was no one that would stop him. That is a living juggernaut. And I mean living juggernaut. You have to fight him in a four-round series to st- put that guy down. It Takes 19 people
3: who are the strongest warriors pretty much in existence
0: to take him down. You pick and choose 19 of your toughest dudes to fight him. It's 18 plus you, the player character. So. Yeah, plus you. You still got to go punch him. And that's after you set up a volley of arrows to put him down. They they show his health bar and everything. It takes forever for him to go down. But yeah, he is such a powerful dragon that their army's like, well, he went down. I guess we have uh, you guys want to talk this out now? We're cool. So like, here's, here's kind of the thing about Luca
3: Blight too. He's the dragon, but he actually was the big bad mm-hmm. as well like that was the real problem they were having with him the re- you know nobody actually likes luca blight even the people that were in his kingdom he was crazy but he's the royal person in charge he's like you know he's got the royal lineage we have to do what he says even if we don't like him mm-hmm. because we're a monarchy um so he was he was the big bad but he was just also the most dangerous person there you take him down and then someone else becomes the big bad through political machinations. Mm-hmm. And that's, what, that's how he goes from being the big bad to the dragon, even though he kind of wasn't. It's, uh, it's complicated, but it's very <laughs> interesting.
2: So I actually j- did just think of another more like bigger mainstream one that I don't know why I didn't think of it before. Um, Final Fantasy X, Unalesca and Sin. You're so
1: right. <laughs> yeah, right.
2: Because <laughs> such Una- a good game. <laughs> Unalesca perpetuates the the cycle of of sin, which is the gigantic doom trotten creature, and that is literally the overt, n- no oblig, uh, pardon me, non um, non-negotiable problem to the planet, but. It's not his choice; he is literally being used as a tool by mm. Unaleska, who casts a zombie on me right before I'm gonna throw a potion and then I kill myself because fuck you game
1: <laughs> no, that although that is a very easy way to beat a boss in the beginning of Final Fantasy Eight, he's a zombie, so you just throw a potion out or you throw a Phoenix down
2: yeah, mm-hmm. in seven you do that to the uh the boss at uh Cosmo Canyon throw a phoenix down on it and it kills it um but yeah i tried to even reflect the whole zombie status thing but she has auto reflect for that anyway and reflect mm-hmm. only works for one turn so she so i cast reflect she casts zombie it bounces off me bounces off her hits me anyway i'm like motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
1: um i have a zombie oh my god <laughs> You have a zombie? I'm sorry. I'm really tired. That's fair. <laughs> I have a dragon. I have a zombie hand. Um, uh, uh, yeah. um anyway, that's another story entirely. Um, I have a dragon. Two of them, if you wanna get technical about it, but Silent Hill 2, the dual pyramid heads before you defeat
0: Maria. Oh yeah, the pyramid heads are a dragon. Like they're yeah, they're actually
1: it's supposed yeah, well, and and the figurative of the um like of the trope we're talking about mm-hmm. because they are the second to last boss. Um they're very dangerous <laughs> and deadly, but um they they represent James coming to term with his inner demons because that's what Pyramid Head represents is like his guilt.
2: Mm-hmm. Um for smothering his wife.
1: Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa.
2: Spoilers for a 20-year-old game.
1: Spoiler alert. Anyway.
2: We
3: spoil games in this podcast. We better get used to that real quick. Eric dies.
1: Do not tell my sister.
3: It's a (laughs)
2: simulation in Metal Gear Solid 2.
1: Anyway. Yes. James killed his wife. And then he was so traumatized by it that he forgot about it. Thinks that she's still alive. And that's why he's in Silent Hill. So he can go and try and find her and then he realizes but like there's that subconscious guilt that he doesn't really remember but pyramid head represents his guilt and so at Mm -hmm. the very end of the game after he remembers what he's done killing those dual pyramid heads is his way of coming to terms with his guilt like accepting it remembering it and being like this is what i did And then he goes on to fight Maria, who is like the evil doppelganger of his dead
0: wife. Yeah. Joseph Campbell would be proud of this. The metaphor here.
3: (laughs) Um, I've actually got one that I think you'll all be familiar with, uh, which I think is interesting. In Chrono Trigger, (gasps) they lie to you about who the dragon is. That's true. That's true. Oh, yeah. Um, They make you believe Magus the whole time. That's right. You're you're going in and you're like, you know, <laughs> you you figure out pretty early on in the game that Lavos is a problem. He I
1: literally was sitting here like, "No, Lavos is the big bad And then I was like oh my god that's the That's the point
3: yeah. <laughs> Yes Lavos is the big bad I' so know it's the problem and, uh, But we think for a very significant portion Of the game that Magus is the one That summoned Lavos and so we go After him it turns out He's not Magus wanted to Defeat Lavos same as us he's just Not very good on Cooperation it's a stupid mother <laughs> It's his mother Queen Zeal she's the dragon yeah, hey, uh, yeah. Hey, yeah, hey, Magus,
2: your mom's a hoe. <laughs> um, I do have yeah. another one though that Liz is gonna also kind of click with. Um, Final Fantasy VIII and Sorceress Adia,
1: that's true, but she is like another false dragon because by the end of Disc Two, she's no longer your dragon.
2: Yes, but think of all the marketing hype and push that game day that had made you go that one direction. I mean, the opening cinematic even pushes it hard, even though they have segments that represent later elements of the game throughout it.
1: But we're not talking about marketing and opening movies. We're talking about actual dragons. but... Unless the marketing was the dragon.
2: The game... Even early half of the game, she is your dragon, though.
0: But if we're going with that, then Lady D is, thanks to the internet and how thirsty it got, Lady D (laughs) is the dragon of... uh, of of Resident Evil, I mean, sort of.
1: I mean, the Four House Lords, four houses,
0: yeah. They're...
1: The Four House Lords would could would be considered the dragons to Mother Miranda because Mother Miranda is hardly in the game at all. You yeah. think you even when you realize who she is throughout the game, um, she still isn't in it like a whole lot. But all four of the lords uh, protect her in their own ways. Some of them love her. Some of them are indifferent to her. Some of them worship her, <laughs> and some of them hate her. Um, so, like, but yeah, they all do defend her. Um, and so all four of them, yeah, would be. Although I, eh, I guess Angie and Donna would be just like one dragon, even though it's two. <laughs> oh god, um, that whole house is awful.
2: <laughs> Re- Resident Evil Four Salazar. Oh, that's true. He is the main thing that you're pretty much combating up until you defeat him, and then it's just pretty much a push for you to get to Saddler.
0: If I I'm gonna finish this off with one that's uh, Nibblesarf would be proud of, um, death in Castlevania.
2: Yeah, and that's a consistent one because he is literally always
0: there. It's not even just that; even from back in the original NES days from Castlevania, and throughout all of all of Castlevania gaming. Death is the most difficult boss that you will have to deal with, not not Dracula. Death is the most difficult one that you always have to deal with. and that's they have weird patterns and death gets progressively more and more difficult as the newer games get get made. Um, as they adjust it from going from a regular uh, Castlevania game to a metroidvania. Death still becomes the toughest guy in the in the game, and he's not the final boss.
3: I think, uh, I don't, I'm not super uh, familiar with, like, the lore of Castlevania, but just from a thematic standpoint, that actually makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Because, really, Dracula's most defining trait is that he doesn't die. Dracula defeated death. If you want to defeat Dracula, you have to defeat death, too. Yeah. <laughs> On that
2: same note, I guess you could even... It even has like a weird pseudo trade in the, um, the first story of the animated series. Whereas, I mean, cause you have Dracula who is defeated relatively early, relatively, I have to say, because there's still more show after he's gone and it's revealed that death was involved in some way and is in fact a, different type of vampire himself and literally feeds off of the, the deaths that Dracula was causing. So, I mean, it's kind of like a bait and switch catch 22 thing Mm. there. And it, it worked really nicely in the show, actually.
0: So unless we have some quick ones that we want to go through, I'm good. Uh, No, I
2: think, I think we, uh, (laughs) I think we had some nice last second uh, epiphanies (laughs) there that worked
0: really well. (laughs) So with that, this is just a story trope. It's one of those, once you see it, you can't unsee it, but it is a good one. It's common because it's a very good story mythologically. It is a physical, typically a physical thing that you end up having, that your heroes have to go through as a competition, but it's not the end of the story. It's mainly there to show the progression of your hero. At this point of the story, the hero is strong enough to deal with their demon, in this case, the uh, uh, dragon even if it's physically manifested. Now they have to deal with the real problem.
3: Yeah, I mean, and and just kind of from a writing standpoint, I think it's good just because if your bad guy isn't cool, make a cool dragon and your story will be better. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Or make a cool dragon alternate like your Magus.
3: Yeah, or if your dragon's really cool, but he he's not really someone that you could see being responsible for the problem, give him a big bad boss. <laughs> he's not
1: responsible, and he's not responsible enough to be the dragon. So, and
2: if that still doesn't work, put him in a long black coat and big ass sword. Can't go wrong. Can't go with wrong that. with that.
0: All right. With that being said, our next episode will be available on September. 5th. We'll have so do episodes with that one, and this one will be about some familiar Isekais, cause I got that one planned in the future for it. That being said, this is Gaming Theatre Podcast logging out. Bye everybody. Bye. See ya. Bye.
1: gaming theater podcast is hosted created produced and edited by leo garcia the geek scorpio our music is a drinking game stock media provided by stormwave audio slash pond five our cover art is by adam parker you can find him at parkergfx on twitter if you want to send us some money to help with these episodes you can do so at patreon.com slash gaming presents want to send support that doesn't hit your wallet Please leave a review with wherever you hear your podcasts and share our podcast with your friends. It really helps out. Thank you for listening.